Hello, this is Brooke Brown from Trending Topics with BB Podcast. Fantasy sports fans are winning huge cash prizes every day at DraftKings.com, America's favorite place to play daily fantasy sports. Daily fantasy means no season-long commitments, play whenever you want. So just pick your sport and draft your team. It's like a new season every time you play, so you're never stuck with the same players. Over $1 billion will be won at DraftKings.com this year, and you could be the next one to win big. Go to DraftKings.com now and enter promo code CULTURE to play free. That's CULTURE for free entry now at DraftKings.com. Not a fan of fantasy sports? Well, that's okay. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook of your choice and a free 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trendingtopicswithbb and choose from over 180,000 audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audibletrial.com slash trendingtopicswithbb. That's audibletrial.com slash trending topics with BB and get started today. Why Audible? Audible content includes more than 180,000 audio programs from leading audiobook publishers, broadcasters, entertainers, magazine and newspaper publishers, and business information providers. Hello and welcome to another rousing edition of Trending Topics with BB. Yes, you are here. You have found my podcast. I want to thank I already shout out to the new listeners that are turning into this for the first time. Go back and listen to previous episodes. They're Pretty decent. Um, and uh, to find me, just go to brookmbrown.com. That is www.brookmbrown.com. You can get links to my social media sites. You can listen to this podcast. But really, what I would really like you guys to do this week, let's see if we can't get some ratings going on iTunes. So if you are an iPhone person or still have an old generation iPod like I do, please subscribe to my podcast on iTunes and give me a decent rating. That would be great. Rating and a comment to let the other listeners out there in the podcast land know who I am. And while you're doing that, head over to Stitcher.com on my link on Stitcher and do that as well for all the Android people that use, use Stitcher or if you happen to be in your new fancy car and you don't have SiriusXM radio, please just Join me with uh, what I like to call Stitcher's awesome platform. So uh, those are my links. Uh, you can find it. I don't really want to dwell on that. Really what I, what I get into is uh, this week's episode of Trending Topics with BB features an awesome human being. I say that because our conversation is awesome, as you will hear. Uh, it is Chris Lucy. He is a writer on the NBC sitcom Undateable, which is live this season, which is epically awesome. One of the best sitcoms. I'd have to say one of my favorite sitcoms of all time, and I'm not just saying this to blow his horn. The the show is funny. Could be because it features comedians Brent Morin, Chris D'Elia, uh, Ron Funches, Rick Glassman. The whole cast is amazing, and this week's this past week's episode featured Whitney Cummings, so if you haven't watched it, go to Hulu.com or NBC.com and watch both the East Coast and West Coast feeds. Yes, I am on board with this sitcom. I want to shout out to the J-Squad, all you J-Squad that are tuning into this. Uh, it, here's your shout out, because I'm now part of the J-Squad, um, and if you watch the show, you will figure out what that reference is in two. So without further ado, I just want to get into the awesomeness that is our conversation that Chris and I had this past week, and I hope you enjoy it, and thanks for tuning in. Hey, Chris. So, uh, again, I want to thank you for, you know, joining uh, my podcast. And sure. uh, 
Before we get into the show, for those who don't know, he's a writer on NBC's Undateable. Let's kind of start with um, kind of, if you can, maybe the story of, like, how long you've been writing, like, kind of like a, I don't know, cliff? Background, yeah. Yeah, there you go. Let's know, <laughs> so you don't okay. need to, like... Sure. Uh, let's see. I mean, I've been writing different things, like, on my own since high school, really, but it took a long time and a long path to get here. Uh, I um, I actually studied, like, business and accounting and stuff like that in college, but when I graduated, I thought I was going to go to law school, and then I uh, uh, I took a year off and decided that that wasn't for me and decided to go to film school instead. So I went to film school at Ohio University for three years and made a bunch of stuff, and um, there, right at the end of my time there, I started doing some comedy stuff in my shorts and in my, in my films. And I found that I sort of had a, a knack for that and that it was was hitting better in some ways than my dramatic stuff. So um, I moved out to L.A. and uh, just kept working on different things and actually got, like, a, an accounting job, basically, when I first got here to try to uh, uh, make ends meet and just get my feet uh, on the ground and stuff. And eventually um, I was an assistant in music videos and in that world. And then uh, I had a friend who, uh, she's a writer. She was on Battlestar Galactica and... Uh, Crowfell is her name, and she um, said a good way to get in as a writer was to be an assistant um, on a show or an assistant to an executive producer. And so uh, a friend of mine who was at an agency at the time, um, she heard about an opening for Victor Fresco, who ran um, Better Off Ted. Well, Better Off Ted was once I was there, and she got me hooked up with a job. So I, I got a job as an assistant with Victor Fresco and sort of learn more and more about comedy there and about sitcoms, and that was my first time being around the writer's room, seeing how it works and everything. And I was there for like two or three years, and um, then I got into the Warner Brothers Writer's Workshop, which is a great program um, to, to launch careers. It's uh, You submit um, a sample script from an existing show, a spec, and um, they judge it and, and whatever, and then you have an interview and go through this process. And I was lucky enough to be one of the people selected that year and uh, Warner Brothers then um, uh, actually helps pay for you to be on your first show after that if, if there's an opening and if someone will hire you. And so, uh, so that was probably about five or six years ago now. I got my first job as a writer on a show called Better With You um, for ABC. And we did 22 episodes of that. And uh, what happened after that? After that, I didn't get staffed the next year, but I got I sold a pilot, actually, to ABC Family. And um, and then after selling that, uh, let's see, the following year I got staffed on the show Melissa and Joey at ABC Family. I did that for about a year and a half. And then after that, <laughs> it kind of bounced around a bit. And then after that, I got uh, set up on Undateable. Um, I started at the beginning of season two, and I've been there now for, you know, since, since then for just over a year, I guess. Um, but it feels like longer in some ways. <laughs> it's interesting. Awesome. So... Uh, what would you suggest to people who are listening that maybe are, like, struggling but kind of want to get into writing? And Sure. Uh, yeah. Uh, I would say the biggest thing is just write, 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 write as much as you can. Um, try different things. Um, for me, when I sort of have my biggest breakthroughs, um, it's funny because I think most people will write a spec or a pilot and or a feature, and they'll just keep writing the same one over and over and over again. Um, to try to get it better and to go, oh, if I get noticed, like, this is a perfect idea. And I found, for me anyway, and I think for some other people too, um, 
if you actually just get get done basically with one and let it go and move on to the next one and just keep working on new keep starting new ones and keep having output um it helps you because you get better at every step of the of the process so while your first idea might be might be fine and you work on it and think this is the perfect idea your second idea will probably be even better just from the concept um so it's good i think to uh keep always keep writing and then um always keep moving on and trying to get finished stuff and, and start another project. That doesn't mean you can't go back to something later on. But just, can, just finishing scripts is the biggest thing because you, you learn so much by doing it over and over again. It's kind of like um, Malcolm Gladwell's uh, 10,000 hours thing where just the more hours you put in, the better you get. Um, it's just a, it's, it's, it's almost like as you're writing almost as playing guitar uh, where you, just, you learn it, you keep doing it, you keep practicing and you get better and better. Um, so that's, that's on, on the talent side. I'd say that's the biggest thing. Um, as far as you know, the the practical side of getting the job and doing those things. Certainly, being in Los Angeles helps, and um, being in the industry as an assistant or anything else helps too. Because you can get people. You know, um, when I was assistant at Better Off Ted, I had people read my stuff and give me notes, read my scripts and give me notes because they were they were nice people and they they were willing to do that and. Um, you know, they, some of them recommended me for the writer's workshop, too. And they were people who knew the people running the program. So uh, making those connections is huge. And, and you know, just uh, uh, learning from people who have already gotten there, too, is a big help. So if you can, you know, get to LA and work within the industry, I think that's the easiest way to do it. Um, you know, people sometimes do it outside of that. But uh, I, I do think that the biggest percentage of people are people who have been assistants before. And have uh, have seen how it works, and just just have learned how to do it from the inside. Awesome. And in terms of genres, is there? You said you always had a knack for comedies. So is that kind of just why you stayed on that path, or if you know, yeah, I mean, like I, yeah, I, you know, I, my first job, like I said, was with Victor Fresco, and he's a comedy guy. And I think I sort of, you know, working on a show is kind of like graduate school where you just get, um, you just learn so much. And I think I just learned so much from that room and from, from now from other rooms I've been in that you just get better and better. It's, you know, in some ways, like doing it, like I said, it's like uh, playing a guitar. Well, drama is kind of like playing a tuba or something like that. You know, it's a different instrument. So the more you learn and put those hours in, the better you get. I, I do have um, some drama scripts that I've written and I work on sometimes, and it's almost like, um, almost like a side hobby for me at this point to try to get better at that and to follow my own advice and, you know, finish stuff and then move on to the next one. Um, because I, I actually watch a lot more drama than I watch comedy. Um, but it is a different world and, you know, my strength is certainly not, uh, on the procedural side of things. Um, so I'm a, you know, I have like a script about, you know, cops or something. I like the characters of the cops. But I'm not so great at doing the procedurals and doing the clues and all of those things. I'm, I'm just kind of a novice at that. So I need to get better at, at that side of things if I actually wanted to uh, to work in drama, I think. Um, but, you know, I just like interesting TV. I just like things that are different and unique and fun and surprising. Um, that, I think, is the biggest thing. The more I work in the industry, the more you just want you want to be surprised by stuff. Um, I think most comedy writers are that way. And probably most writers are that way where it's like, you spend all day doing this stuff that 
you can see jokes coming from a mile away. You see the setup. When you're watching a show at home, you see the setup, and you know what joke the joke's going to be. So any show that that doesn't do that or twists it or surprises you is always is always fun to watch, and it's kind of the stuff that you like to write, too, because you like to do that same kind of thing. Right. So I know that for those that, I don't know, aren't watching, I don't know why you aren't, but why do you think that there's been kind of a, I don't know, a lull in sitcoms and comedies over the last maybe 10 to 15 years. Not saying that there hasn't been good ones. Obviously, there's been some really popular good ones out there. But right. there, you know, there's, you know, I still watch syndicated Friends and other things. Sure. So it's like, sure. there's still some comedies that are so, like, Seinfeld's still on, Will and Grace, stuff like that, that are still so great in culture and then there's been so many attempts over the years and it's like haven't come close right it's it's interesting I I feel like what's happened for whatever reason over time is you have your comedies now it's like you have the comedies that are very very popular and get watched by a ton of people and then you have the comedies that are sort of critical darlings that just can't, no matter how good they are, they can't kind of break through. And it's it's interesting to me that it's, I mean, Modern Family is, is kind of the exception to the rule, but um, it's, it's interesting to me because I feel like, you know, Seinfeld certainly did that back in the day. Um, and they, they got both. They got big ratings and they had, and they also had really smart, different, unique comedy that critics loved. Um, I mean, you know, you look at, uh, you look at like 30 Rock, or parks, you know, the, these shows that people love and they're, the, that um, that are super smart, but their ratings are just never there. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know why um, the ratings have been so bad. It, it seems like certain. It's it's kind of a network by network basis almost. I mean, CBS has done multicams for years, and they've gotten good ratings, and they've stayed on. And you know, Big Bang Theory is one of the most watched shows on TV, and it does very well. And then you have um, ABC, and I think for a while ABC didn't know exactly what they wanted to be. You know, that's where Better Off Ted was, and that's where the show I was on, uh, Better With You, was, too. Um, they didn't know exactly what they wanted to do and what they wanted to be, and now I think they know that very well. They want to be a family. They want to do family comedies. You know, in the past, they did, like, Mixology, which is not a family comedy at all. Now, I don't think they ever buy that or do that. Another thing are, you know, they have Blackish and Fresh Off the Boat and just uh, the Goldbergs. just all these shows that are family comedies, and that's who they are. That's their brand, and that's helping that's helping the rest of their comedies. That's why I think Dr. Ken is, is uh, doing well this season because um, it's a it's a family-style comedy, and they have the comedies on other nights of the week that they can promote Dr. Ken on, you know. So I think that, 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 that by, net, by that network, they're doing well. I think Fox is, you know, they're, they're struggling a little bit because they, they uh, are sort of in the situation that NBC was in the past where it's like, they have a critical darling in um, Last Man on Earth, but is it getting the ratings that they want it to get? I, I don't know. I mean, that's that's kind of the balance that some that NBC and, and, and Fox has run into. And NBC, I think, you know, they've had a lot of problems trying to figure out exactly what they want to be. They've gone from, you know, such a huge powerhouse of comedy with shows like Time, Feld, and Friends, and then they sort of did those critical darling shows. They had The Office, and then they had, you know, um, um, like 30 Rock and Parks and those shows, which are critical, critical darlings, but never got the ratings that anybody wanted in the community. Um, 
and now I think they're just trying to try different things and see what can work. Um, you know, I don't, I haven't watched their two new comedies, Superstore and, um, and, uh, Telenovela yet, but, um, I heard that they're decent. So, so we'll see. It'll be interesting, I think, to see what they're going to do moving forward and where it goes. Um, I know, I, I mean, Undateable, you know, it's to me just ridiculously fun and, and so different. And, you know, it's so different now that it's live than it was, uh, just when it was taped last season. And that's a big, that's a big tribute to, that's all in, you know, I think really, uh, because of NBC, because they wanted to do something like that. They're the ones who sort of approached us about doing it. And, um, when, to be honest, when we started the season, I was, I was a little bit like, how are we going to do this? And what's it going to be? And, you know, we're going to have musical acts on the show. And just, it, it was, it was, um, I wasn't sure how it was going to feel or what it was going to be. And now I love it so much. You know, we're doing things that I know I'll never get to do again in my career on the show, which is just so fun. I know, I mean, we, we make, Jokes, we make, we add jokes when, when, um, to, to basically insult the actors when they're not expecting it, which is just insane. I mean, I've been on shows before where if you made any jokes about the actor, like they would get upset or mad or whatever, but we, you know, we give lines to like, uh, Brent more in this, like, um, to surprise Crystalia that's, you know, you look like the ugly guy from Whitney and he doesn't know that's coming. And then we get his reaction on my TV as this, as these insults come. It's just, which is really fresh and amazing and, and, and unique. And, uh, you know, that's, that's what we, why we love doing it so much. It's just so fun. And like, like I said earlier, to me, that's fun because that's something you've never seen before and it's something creative and different. I agree. That's kind of why I'm on board. But before we kind of get into Indatable, I kind of just wanted to bring up the point that you said a mm-hmm. minute ago. Um, so last season, I had the privilege of going to a taping of the McCarthy's for CBS. Uh-huh. Uh, mainly because I was a fan of, like, the actors, and I'd never sure. been to a sitcom taping, and um, a bunch of friends and I were out in L.A., and we're like, let's go, and so we did. And what was interesting is, like, a lot of us were really into comedy, but not to put anything down. We just didn't see it from the beginning. You could tell, even though we were tuning in mainly to support the actors and support the show, yeah. We knew it was eventually going to get canceled because it just, there was just a few couple episodes that were funnier than the rest, but we, it was very predictable and you could see the joke coming like that, like a minute, you know what I'm saying? Like it wasn't, yeah. it didn't make me like, oh, that's so funny. Like, yeah. I don't know. Is it, yeah. is it because, I don't know, is it because we're into that where, you know, we're used to the actors and we already know kind of their personalities. And then when it comes to the difference with Undateable other than it being live, I mean, they're comedians. So it's kind of a, they know how to deliver better. Is that it? Or I don't know. I'm not trying to put down CBS and McCarthy. I mean, I really want it, but it just wasn't the same. Well, I think, I think that, that, um, I think that a lot of that comes, like, I think that that's how multicams are looked upon nowadays a lot of times it's like they don't feel fresh they don't feel new they um it's a tape people think of it being a tape a laugh track like so many people when they talk about multiple games are like oh it's a laugh track they have to tell you when to laugh so it's not funny and things i mean even for, for every multi-cam there's a live audience that are watching it and reacting to it you know um so but i think it's just this thing that's in our culture that people think multi-cams just aren't that they, they don't feel fresh you know, and 
So I think that that's part of it. And what Undateable has is we we play around at times with the with the genre and with multicam, and uh, have people you know look at the camera and say things, and you know we just do different things. I, I think that um, it's tough. I mean, I think that a lot of people do like multicam because you look at CBS and they do fine with them, but uh, it's just a special blend. It's sort of a you know you, I think it's a, so much of a combination of the writing. And the actors, the cast that you have, and does it have this great cast that works together that's unique and different and original and fresh and have that sort of it factor that, that can make it work. Um, and honestly, nowadays, you just have less time to uh, establish yourself as a show. You know, tw- uh, 20 years ago or whatever, Seinfeld had bad ratings at first, too. And then it just kept getting chances by MB- from NBC because they loved it. And it grew. It, it grew and it took off, and people learned to love George and Kramer and the rest of them. I mean, the first season, George is like a real estate agent, and he's he's successful or fine. He's not a big loser, and and it just you know it takes time for the writers to find the show um, on any show. Every show I've been on has been like that, where it's like you don't know who the people are at first, but as you go along, it's like you learn more and more about them. You learn more about the actors too, so you know what strengths they have, what tools they have in their toolbox um, to make jokes, to do certain things, you know. Um, whether it's Chris D'Elia being able to do a physical bid or uh, Ron Funches being able to deliver a, a you know a, a big choke at the end of a scene, you learn those things. You don't always know those things at first. So I think part of the struggle for comedies is it, everything. Things just it's faster now. You have to succeed faster, and it's tough at times for comedies to do that because you don't have you don't have the hooks of drama. You know, like what's going to happen next time or if it's to be continued or whatever on drama. You don't have that. All you have is your is um is is laughs and and that's it's not always most shows aren't at their top form you know two or three episodes in it usually takes longer than that for a show to find itself. Great. So I, I know we've kind of teased it. So uh, for all the listeners out there that listen to the podcast and that are kind of behind, Undateable uh, is a great uh, sitcom, and um, I. To be honest, I'm late to the to to getting on board because uh-huh. there's so much TV to get on board these days. So That's, yeah, I'm but... always catching up. But I fell in love with it a few weeks ago because I love that you guys are live. Um, yeah. Mainly because I'm like following a lot of comedians nowadays, and um, I've met friends of Brent's who he also has a podcast. I've been listening and. It was like, you should watch Undateable. And so I started getting into it. And now I'm, like, so hooked and, like, on board and yeah. support all of you guys because, like, I didn't know it was out there. Because, like I said, I was kind of in this, like, well, I guess I'll watch another drama or I'll get on Netflix and watch what I didn't watch right. years ago. And, like, I, you know, it's kind of, I, I like you said, it's very, it feels fresh again, a show that's like, okay, we're yeah. live. Like, right. There's it, no. There's no. There's no safety nets. I mean, anything can. Literally, anything can happen. Brent Moore missed the scene. <laughs> I mean, he missed the whole scene that he was supposed to be in in one episode. Yeah, um, I heard about that. So, like, uh, so the first two seasons were all regular, like, multicam, correct? Yeah. Yeah. They okay. Were. And, well, I mean, and I, I just, went back and watched old uh, older episodes sure. last, and. It was still funny to me. I mean, we kind of kept the vibe. It's just a little bit different this season. So for yeah. those that kind of need to go back and watch old episodes, kind of explain kind of the premise and, like, why it evolved to what we are this season. 
Right. I mean, for us, what what's interesting is, so last season we would we would have like forty page scripts, which is pretty typical for a multi cam, and we'd shoot those, and we would have like forty four minute uh, episodes that we had to cut down to twenty two minutes, um, because the guys because their their whole thing is to um, add bits and add things and go back and forth and you know for Chris to get into his physical things and 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 to expand on it and just have fun with it, which is the whole the whole uh, sort of mantra of the show is just have fun with it and do, you know, just do crazy things, do whatever, you know, do do, make the best possible jokes you can and have fun with it and call people out if they mess up and that kind of stuff. And uh, so we would see these live tapings that were hilarious and then you watch them on the air. And for us, it was, I mean, they were good, but they were sort of, it, it was weird at times because you know that like someone will tell a joke and you know that there's an amazing joke that comes right after it and that joke gets cut because there wasn't time to put all of it in because we were shooting 44 minute episodes for a 22 minute slot so it had to be so pared down um so the what the live thing does is it broadcasts what we were seeing more accurately which is the 44 minute fun stuff we just have to we make all those cuts beforehand now so instead of doing 44 page drafts we shoot with like 22 or 23 page drafts which is insane i mean by typical multi-cam multi-cam uh page counts that would that would usually mean you have about 11 minutes of footage <laughs> Um, but because they expand it and they have fun with it and do different things, it turns out being to be 22 minutes. Okay, awesome. And so, like, I mean, it just seems like a party there. So, like, yeah, it is. I mean, we have a we have a bar. Uh, they, very wisely, they built a, a bar for like a social media lounge with a bar right off the sides of the where the house is set is. There's a bar, um, and People can go in there and and uh, have drinks and stuff in between shows or even during the shows. And we invite you know different celebrities to be here to come and see the show if they want. Or uh, you know, Tony Hawk was in one episode just the opening. And I saw that. That was hung out a little bit. Right. It's just supposed to feel like a party atmosphere as much as possible, and it really does for everyone there. I mean, it's it's really amazing. I, I've worked on you know three multicams now, and and usually, as you know from your McCarthy taping, I'm sure it's like a six hour thing most shoots because they go back and reshoot things and there's costume changes and everything else. And for this show, it can only be a half hour because that's it's live. So it's an extremely fun half hour that's, that's so jam packed full of fun. And you're seeing the, the whole show. There's no, you know, second takes or anything. So, um, for an audience member, it's the, it's super fun too. Right. So most people are familiar with like the Saturday night lives and, all that, like, the cue cards, is that how it's done this season? Or, like, is it different from, like, memorizing lines? Like, Yeah, no, they they everything is memorized. There's only one thing I'll share with you that uh, that wasn't memorized. There was this, there was a joke that Chris does this whole, uh, this whole rant about, um, about, uh, birth control, I think it is. And it was a huge speech. And, Chris, when he when he memorizes his lines, he, try, he he's the kind of actor that sort of gets the um, gets the message, you know, gets gets the um, the idea of the thing, but doesn't always get the words exactly correct. That's just the way he works as an actor, and that's sort of how it goes. But um, for this, we needed to be a very it was a like rambling, uh, very smart passage about birth control, and he couldn't do it. It was just too. T- I mean, most people couldn't do this, so. For that, we put uh, we put a cue card on the back of a menu or something, and he had it so he could just go through it super fast. 
but nothing, everything else is memorized. And they get the scripts. I mean, this week, this week we got it, we were a little bit behind, but, um, they got this, the script that we're shooting this week, a, a good version of it was finished. Oh, let's see. Um, Tuesday, I guess Tuesday night at like nine o'clock. And then they started working on it today on, on Wednesday. They did a run through of some of it. And, uh, Yesterday, oh, no, I'm sorry, it was finished yesterday, Wednesday at 5 o'clock, and they did a run-through at 6 o'clock for us, and then we worked on it from 7 in the evening until 4 o'clock last night to get it um, in even better shape, and then we had a run-through again today. So they basically have it for two days before they go on live TV and perform it, which is insane. I mean, they're all of our actors are so talented and so so funny, you know, and just um, able to do this stuff so quickly. It's amazing. Agreed. Um, awesome. So this week's episode, you have Whitney Cummings, right? Yes, we do. That's that's awesome. So like I heard, like for those of you out there, you guys need to really follow everybody who's involved with Undateable because they're really interactive. Like I've watched a lot of Periscope this week more than I uh, probably ever have. But yeah. um, <laughs> it, it's uh, Periscope, uh, the the tweets. Yeah. Um, well, do, you, do you know about the Danny's phone? Do you know about the phone? I, I, well, when I was watching your writer's periscope on, mm -hmm. I think it was Monday, mm -hmm. that's when I found out about the phone. I didn't know yeah. it was like a legit phone. So yeah, no, it was a, we did the first episode this season, we gave out a phone number, and it's an actual, it's a Detroit phone number, and it's an actual phone that we, uh, we have, it's a cell phone that we have around um, the writer's office and on the set. And anytime anyone calls it, they can, um, they can, uh, they, they could talk to an actor or a writer or somebody involved with the show. And if you tweet, you know, people tweet messages to us all the time, or text messages to us all the time on it. And we send stuff back. My favorite thing to do is, uh, listen to voicemails that people leave and then text them back. And they're always so surprised and like, who is this? What is it? Like they're so confused. I mean, in general, people are confused because I don't think most people believe that a TV show would have an actual working phone that they can call. You know, for for us, we love it because it's, it's we you know, we were, we all grew up watching so much TV. I, I can't imagine, like, being a kid watching Seinfeld and, and and being able to text with the actors or text with the writers or, or anything like that, you know. It's just so interactive, which is another way I feel like it's um, sort of a modern multicam because we're so... We interact so much with our fans, and we love it, and 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 they love it too. You know, it's a really fun thing that we can do, um, just make them feel part of the process, um, which I think goes along with it being live. You know, right. So, in terms of that, to kind of go along those lines, and I know I'm going to go off on a tangent for, but it's kind of related. Sure. Um, yeah. So, Rick's been like on this campaign for his own website, the Six Feet. <laughs> is that? It's like a spinoff, or like he is no, so like determined for everybody to he, be like involved. He, it's he's amazing. He's he's uh, such a smart and funny guy, and he's um, so charismatic. It's it's insane. You know, he's um, he uh, what what happened at the beginning of the season? You know, Bill Lawrence, uh, the the executive producer. He's he's like, what what else can we do for the show? What else can we do to have fun with it? What other things can we do? Um, to promote it and get people involved and what can each of our, what can our, um, actors do? Because we have, part of the thing is we have, you know, seven leads on the show, or seven, yeah, seven leads on the show. And 
because of that, there's not always a lot of time and a lot of space for everyone to get storylines or jokes or whatever, especially especially being live. Being live now, we, we usually don't even do B stories. We just have our main story because there's not enough time to do that. Um, so, uh, so Rick came up with this idea for something called the sixth lead, which is sort of like, um, it's, it's in a way, it's kind of like curb your enthusiasm, I would say, where it's about, um, it's about Rick and about how he's trying to get more lines on the show and just everything backfiring for him constantly, you know, and just trying to, to, uh, you know, get out of the, the shadow of this character who just like makes boob and dick jokes all the time and just um, be a little bit more of a deeper character or that kind of thing. Um, I've seen two episodes and they're both super funny and really good. Um, and some of the writers are in them and um, Bill Lawrence is in it and uh, some of the actors are in it too and it's really it's really fun. So, well, yeah, I uh, saw the so trailer and I, I cracked yeah. up so I'm excited yeah. for it. No, <laughs> it's great. I mean, and he, you know, he directed them and wrote them with some of our writers. He worked with some of our writers on them and they're really funny and, and um, I think you get a good sense of, of Rick. I mean, he he's just you know we had a we had a sexual uh, harassment seminar today at work and uh, which is pretty common on TV shows you always have these these things once a year and I was sitting next to um, next to the cast and some of the other writers and I mean just just being around being it's like being around the biggest class clowns ever in this sexual harassment seminar and and they were you know misbehaving and <laughs> trying not to. Trying not to be too bad with the with the hosts, but uh, it's pretty funny. And Rick is just, um, you know, super super funny, super charismatic. Yeah, I mean, it's just funny because they've been periscoping so much. I mean, it's yeah, just, it's hilarious. Yeah, I mean, we love the periscoping stuff too because, you know, what we 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 also like to show just how the nuts and bolts of stuff works. So that's interesting to people, and we know that. I mean, it would have been interesting to us when we were when we were younger, if we weren't involved in TV, see how it works, see how the writers work till four in the morning sometimes to, you know, try to get the perfect jokes and uh, how hard we work at, at making this thing and how much we care about it, too. I think that shows through. Yeah, okay. So, it's <clears throat> kind of like a... So, to kind of go back, do you think the reason why this show is working is because okay, maybe I have two questions. So okay. <laughs> I've got to reword this question. Um, so and, and you said like with you know, taking down the scripts and I mean, the fact that lies, anything can happen. So is a lot in improv by them or is it still a lot of what you guys write? It's actually not. It's it's almost all scripted. Um I mean, they they riff on things a lot. Uh, the way it works is like we'll come up with a joke or a bit, and we'll have it in the script, and they we we give it to them for a run through, and we see which stuff works and which stuff doesn't. You know, we'll give them a twenty eight page script instead of twenty four pages, and then we cut a lot of stuff that doesn't work. You know, whatever doesn't work, we'll we'll get cut out, and we'll see the things that do work, and then we'll see too what things they've expanded on, which things they've added to it, which adlibs they've added. You know, there was an episode, I think it was the last episode, where we had a joke about, um, you know, someone says, Danny, this person hurt you. And he goes, well, that's not true because I'm unhurtable. You know, I, uh, in, fa- in fact, that song, Everybody Hurts, you know, R.E.M. wrote that before they met me. That was, I think, pretty much the joke. And then on the show, or I think the first run-through with it, 
Chris did this whole thing about how he was at the back at the, at the REM concert and they called him backstage and said like, you know, sorry, sorry about that. We didn't know, you know, and, and, <laughs> and just did this whole rant on it, which was great. This whole run on it. And, and, uh, we saw that and we saw what he was doing and we we're like, okay, we're going to let him run with that. We knew that that was the thing he was going to do. So that's sort of the more, it's not as improv live. I mean, there are things that are added live for sure. But um, there are things that they take from the script earlier in the week, and then they they run on it a little bit and do different things, um, and and so that's that's kind of how it works. There are, I mean, like you know, we do add moments specifically. We look to target them with moments that they don't expect, um, like between the East Coast and the West Coast, which you know we do two tapings every week, East and West, and the West tends to be a little crazier. Uh, uh, they told Chris in an episode, or they told Bianca, who plays Leslie, and they told, um, Bridges, who plays Candace, you know, in this scene, you're gonna throw water on Dan, on Chris. And he didn't know that was coming. And, uh, they threw water at him, and he went on to make jokes about it, you know, just out of nowhere. He was making super funny, pretty dirty, but super funny jokes based on, uh, on the water being thrown at him. So, um, it has this energy that's, I mean, it's in the moment so much that, that, uh, I think again, that's something that's that's unique about the show, and it's just something that you can't replicate by just um, by taping thing by by having a tape show. Um, I don't think it was the same. So you said there's two tapings. So there's obviously the East Coast, and the West Coast. So is that the first time the audience actually sees the show? Because I know you guys were rehearsing today or you rehearsed throughout the week. Is that the first time there's like a live audience? Yeah, yeah. In when the- we the first. The first episode of the season, I think, first or maybe the first two, we had, we had, we brought in an audience because, you know, the, the, um, because they're stand-ups and because they're used to working with crowds, they thrive off that energy a lot of times, our, our actors, our actors. But, um, we had weird, maybe it's because they were run-throughs or something. We had two weird audiences. The first week, we got an audience that was like, way too pumped up and they were laughing at everything anytime anyone walked in the room they would start cheering and it was like this is ridiculous it threw our timing off it made the show extra long and stuff in rehearsal so then it was like well that was no good so the next week i think they said okay only laugh when when you should and like be re- be reasonable and for some reason that day we had a sort of a dead crowd and so that was useless too so then at that point bill lawrence just decided you know what we don't need uh we don't need um, an audience to do this. We don't need a test audience. We'll just do it, do it live, uh, with the audience for the first time live. And that's been fine. It hasn't been a problem at all for our guys. It's a little bit tricky. The hardest thing about the show now, what we do during the show, and what Bill and Adam Stekiel who created it, what they do is the biggest enemy on our show now is the clock because we know we have to get done <laughs> or you know, we have to get through everything or the show will end and people won't get to see the ending. The story won't make any sense without an ending. So um, there's a monitor that we look at that has the time, how much over we are, how much under we are based on um, based on the rehearsals. And it, it tells you, uh, you know, it, it usually starts off like 30 seconds under and then as the show goes on, it gets longer and longer and then we're over. There's been shows where we're like two minutes over. So when that happens, um, you know, we've marked sp- places in, in the later scenes that we could take cuts. And, um, again, this is a tribute to the, to the actors. Bill will go in during the commercial breaks, show them the places that we're cutting, the lines that we're cutting, and, and, uh, and they'll be able to handle that on the fly. And they'll, so we'll cut out some jokes or cut out 
whatever we need to to make it work so we get done on time, um, which is crazy and super interesting. And I don't think any other show has done that in a long time. I don't know. Um, just to make sure that you get done on time. So. so the other part that I really love about it besides just is the fact you guys have musical guests. Like, yeah. You've, like, put Ed Sharon into it. Like, there's been a scene with Megan Trainer. Like, with those types of scenes and stuff, was that, like, how did they, like, come to you guys saying, like, well, we also want to be a part of the show other than just being a musical guest or? Right. Uh, no, not, not exactly. Um, what's interesting is this actually ties to the last thing, which is that uh, the musical guests, one of the main reasons we have musical guests is because it adds a cushion at the end of the show. Because if we, for some reason, got done early, we know that the musical guests could just play their song and it would cushion us so, you know, you wouldn't just be staring at nothing happening on a screen. So if we, like, finished a minute and a half early, the band starts their song and you hear a minute and a half of their song instead of typically we get, typically it's right to the 30-second mark and then the band starts. It's sort of how it's been going. Um, but the way we've had uh, musical guests has been, we have a guy, Tony, who's the music supervisor and he gets some band. And then some are just different people who who uh, Bill's friends with or Bill has met with. Uh, he had he had a general I think with Megan Trainer about possibly developing something at some point, and he asked her if she wanted to be on the show, and she said she'd love to, and she was great, you know. And um, seeing her personality and everything, it was easy for us to give her a small part on the show and just have fun with it. And we knew she'd be great. She, she, she was she was super funny as a potential hookup for Shelley. Uh, uh, and, and so that's the sort of how that came about. Um, but we're, you know, we're trying all kinds of different music and I, I think there might be a rapper on the show next week potentially. And then, um, and then potentially for January, uh, it looks like we're going to have Weezer at one show and Backstreet Boys on another show. Sort of an exclusive there, I guess. I don't know. Uh, it's been a little bit tricky. The hardest thing, what's interesting is, is the network isn't really set up the network and the studio aren't set up for this kind of show because they've never done it. They've never done it before. So having all these periscopes and having the Dan, Danny's phone and those things, there's a lot of legal issues that they get really worried about with everything. And the same thing with the music, like the contracts that have to be signed and the paperwork and all the, you know, the rights to the music and all of those things when it's going in, you know, if, if it's being replayed online, there's a lot of legal issues that come up with our show that haven't come up before. And unfortunately, that sometimes creates red tape and makes it a little bit harder than it should be to do things. But um, we're sort of navigating that and figuring out how to do it and get around things and, and make stuff happen. Interesting, yeah. Well, I figured there was, like, logistics, but do you, yeah. like, with the way it's going this season, and I, I know i kind of been following it, it seems like more and more people are watching the show. Do you think that this type of format will be a staple for NBC and I mean I, don't know. I want you guys to stay on air but like sure. do you think I, think that the live thing especially since you know tonight for instance was a big huge whiz live thing on NBC so right. like all of a sudden everything's live on NBC um, right that well Bob Greenblatt who's the president of NBC is a huge fan of live TV you know he brought Sound of Music there first and then has done he did Peter Pan and then the whiz and those are huge huge uh, events for them that have done really well. Um, I, he, I know that he specifically wanted to do a live sitcom, and that became that's that sort of merged with what our show was, and it became what it is. And I think it's I think it's great. I mean, 
I don't, it'll be tough for me to go back to a, a tape sitcom after this. Um, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what happens. I mean, our ratings have been going up, uh, over the last couple of weeks and, and hopefully they'll go up tomorrow, uh, for tomorrow night's show and, and the following week's show and, and, you know, hopefully we get to do more episodes. We have 13 episodes ordered total this season so far. So, uh, we have two more now and then three in January. Um, and then, you know, hopefully we get more episodes and, if the ratings go up a little bit more in the next couple in the next couple of weeks, I think that could happen. Because um, we love doing it, and it's so fun and different. And I think people are feeling the energy. And you know, our biggest problem has been uh, just sort of exposure. It's just tough. NBC doesn't have a lot of comedy, so um, it's tough to get people to think of NBC for comedy now, which seems crazy given their history. But that's just been a bit of an issue, I think. And then, you know, they moved us to Fridays, which uh, is a little tough for us, for sure, because, you know, we sort of appeal to single people who are probably out at bars on Friday nights. We're not a family show, exactly. You know, we have a lot of dirty jokes at times. And I don't think that that's always what, uh, you know, so a Friday at 8 p.m. crowd, that's not always, that's not the perfect match. But I think NBC did it partially to uh, to protect us in a way, actually. You know, we were on After the Voice last year, and our numbers were okay, but they weren't, you know, a definite renewal or anything. And so I think that they put us on Friday, so our ratings could be a little bit lower, and and we could still survive, um, you know, without feeling the pressure uh, of, of having to perform at a much higher level or something like that. So so it'll be interesting to see what happens um, moving forward. I, you know, we all really hope that that. It, we get more episodes this season and then continue to do more seasons moving forward because it's such a fun and unique thing. Like I said, I can't imagine that I'll, I'll be working on a show quite like this ever again. Unless, like, it catches on and everybody wants yeah, to do a live right, show. Yeah, right. Well, I'm sorry. Yeah, that, that, was, that was the other part of the question. That is, right, if everybody wants to do a live show. I, I mean, part of me feels like I would love to see it. I would love to see a live comedy, a live sitcom about something like, um, like behind the scenes at like the Daily Show or something like that, where you could do it and you could include the topical stuff so much. You know, um, we do it. We do it. Uh, we'll do topical jokes and topical references. We we like for tomorrow, we're supposed to come in with some topical jokes. So we'll do that and have those moments. But I would love to see a sitcom where. They incorporate something that happened that week into the into the uh, whole show. You know, it'd be tough, of course, but I mean that's the kind of thing that uh, that Silent Live can do because because of how their system works. Um, and I think that you could do it in a sitcom form. And I think we've kind of proven that. So um, I don't know. It'll be interesting. I, I I hope that there are more live sitcoms because I like them and I think that it's a different kind of thing. Awesome. So, I know you've had a long week, and I don't want to keep you too much because you've got the show tomorrow, but, I, again, I want to thank you so much for joining my podcast. Oh, sure. Keep in touch, because I do want to come out to a taping. You definitely so. should. Like I said, they're super fun live. It's so much fun. I, everyone I talk to, I'm like, come to see it live, because it, as fun as it is on TV, it's even more fun to be there in person. And see, especially with the musical bands and everything, you, you know, the musical groups, you, can see, you get to hear more of their songs and, and enjoy. And, and if you can't make it live, then it's great to... Uh, it's great to do the, to follow Periscope. We start the Periscope before the show starts, like four, at 4.30, I think it usually starts. And they, like the, uh, our cast do like cast introductions for each other that are super funny. There's so much behind the scenes stuff that's, that's so fun and different and unique that 
if if you like the show, then then make sure you check out the those added features. They're kind of like DVD bonus features almost. Um, that make awesome. it super fun. Um, well, well, thanks so much for having know, me. I'm, I'm hooked. So, for all of those <laughs> people that don't know, like, uh, where can we find you on Twitter? Oh, uh, I'm a boy named Lucy, Lucy with two C's on uh, on Twitter, and and most like 99.9 percent of my stuff is just about undateable because. I didn't have, it was crazy. I didn't even, I wasn't even on Twitter before, uh, I was on the show at all. And I just started doing it to, to help, you know, get the word out about the show and to interact with fans and stuff. And I have like 1200 followers, which is crazy to me, <laughs> but, but, uh, it just shows some of the, you know, the energy and the, the, um, enthusiasm of the fans behind the show. Awesome. Well, uh, that's where I say to everybody that if you're not already following everything, Undateable then why haven't you? Um, <laughs> I, I'm looking forward to tomorrow. Uh, I have a DVR. Great. And, and I'm going to watch it, so there you go. Um, Very good. So, do you, uh, do you, get the, you, you get the West Coast feed? Yeah, well, I, yeah, Arizona's weird, but yeah, I think I do. Okay. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I haven't figured it out the last couple, like, the last episode, I was watching it. I think I was watching it live, then I was DVR it, and I was like, "Which feed am I watching?" Because I'm very confused. <laughs> yeah, that's I, a, a lot of fans. A lot of fans will go online and watch both actually, and see the differences because they get a kick out of that too, which is which is so unique and fun. And I don't know if any shows ever done two broadcasts like that, but um, it's fun for us, and it's actually not that hard to do. I mean, our our the lines are already written. Our actors know the script, so to do it twice, it's a little bit more money to broadcast it. But other than that, it's pretty pretty easy to do. So, yeah, I would think, and it just makes yeah. sense. To I mean, it's live, so there you go. Right. All right. right. Well, uh, so everybody follow Undateable on Twitter and everywhere. Um, follow the Periscopes because I'm like addicted. Yeah. Um, so. So thanks again, Chris. And, uh, You're welcome. Thanks so much for having me. No problem. And yeah, I look forward to following on video and And I've been telling people to like tune in. Um, oh yeah, so you, much, guys yeah. Running a, you guys are running a. Weren't you running a contest this week? If you got like ten people, you could get like yeah, a signed script we, or something. Yeah, we we're doing that every week now. I think it's like if you get ten new people to watch the show that I haven't watched before. Uh, We'll send you. You send us uh, pictures of all the people by Saturday night, and uh, and we'll send you a signed script signed by the cast. Um, and we had seven people, I think, win last week. So we'll see how many people win win this time. So yeah, get pictures of people watching the show and, and send them to us, and and we'll we'll go. That's awesome. All right. Well, that's another incentive for people out there. There you go. Yep. All right. Cool. Awesome. So okay. Um, thanks so much. Thanks, and have a good night, and I look forward to following everything on Datable. Great. Thanks, Rick. Bye. Bye.